Yo, 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 good evening and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 145 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Week 8 in the NFL is now in the books. I'll do a recap on the action from week 8 in the NFL. Along with the first half of the NFL season is now in the books. I'll give you my takeaways and what I'm looking forward to in the second half of the NFL season. And week 9 of college football is now in the books. I'll do a recap on the action there, along with my takeaways from week 9 in college football. And then I'm going to close with a little NBA. I'll give you my takes and thoughts on the firing of Steve Nash as head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get episode 145 started. And you know where we're going to start my opening take, of course, is in the NFL. We're going to start off with a recap of some of the action from week eight in the NFL. And we'll start with Arizona versus Minnesota. Now, of course, I picked the upset thinking Arizona would would pull it off against Minnesota, knowing that their offense had DeAndre Hopkins back. Well, that didn't happen there as the Minnesota Vikings held on to beat the Cardinals 34-26. It was a close game throughout, throughout though. I mean, Arizona even took the lead in th- briefly in the third quarter, but was not able to hold it. Kurt Cousins had 232 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions. He even had a rushing touchdown as well. You would think it was Kyler Murray that had that rushing touchdown. Dalvin Cook, big game, 111 yards rushing, one TD. Justin Jefferson had 98 yards receiving. Adam Thielen had 67 yards. He left the game early with an injury. We'll have to see, we'll have to see how the extent of that injury is going to affect the Minnesota Vikings going forward. Kyler Murray had 326 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, and those interceptions were costly. I mean... There was even one drive where it looked like they were going to take the lead again, and he got picked off. He also had 36 yards rushing, but got nothing else from the other running backs. So it's obvious they're missing James Conner badly. Enon Benjamin only had 22 yards and got nothing else afterwards. DeAndre Hopkins had a monster game, 159 yards and one TD. Rondell Moore, 92 yards and one TD. Zach Ertz, 34 yards and one TD. For the Vikings, this is a good win. Because now they continue to extend their lead in the NFC North. Knowing that the Green Bay Packers are, are slowly falling. We'll talk more about the Packers here in a bit. And the Chicago Bears is not putting up a fight. And we don't need to even talk about Detroit. So for Minnesota, this is their division to win and to lose. So we'll see if they can continue to keep it up and be what I think could be one of the sleeper teams in the NFC. For Arizona, this is a bad loss. I mean, they can't afford these losses because going forward, I mean, they're going to be not only falling behind as far as playoff positioning goes, but even in the division because right now, they are dead last in the division at 3-5. and five. They are 0-2 in the division, and they got a big matchup coming up this weekend against the Seattle Seahawks. Then after that, they got the Rams, and then they got my 49ers. So they're playing three NFC West opponents. And this these, these next three games, I believe, are going to determine whether the um, Arizona Cardinals are going to make the playoffs, or they're going to be sitting at home watching, and... The ownership of the um, Arizona Cardinals is going to be starting to wonder if they're having some buyer's remorse right about now. So, we'll talk more about that Seahawks-Arizona game on Friday. Now, let's move on to the Giants versus the Seahawks. The Seahawks won this game 27-13. This game was close throughout. So, going into the fourth quarter, this was anybody's game. But the Seahawks was able to make enough plays to pull it out. Geno Smith 
Had an okay game. Nothing, nothing big, but he did good. He had um, 212 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Didn't get much in the running game. Um, Tyler Lockett had 63 yards, receiving one TD. DK Metcalf, 55 yards and one TD. And Kenneth Walker Jr., he had um, 51 yards um, rushing, but they did enough to win the game. Daniel Jones had 176 yards passing, no touchdowns, no interceptions, 20 yards rushing. Anyway, the Seahawks defense, which has gotten better over the past couple of weeks, held um, Saquon Barkley to 53 yards rushing. He had one touchdown. Darius Slater, 66 yards. And Tanner Hudson, 58 yards. For the Seahawks, now they have a one-game lead in the NFC in the NFC West division. And, of course, they got a big division game coming up versus the Arizona Cardinals. But you got to give it up. You get up to the Seahawks. As I stated, Pete Carroll's looking like a genius. I mean, trade away all those picks, getting Rus- getting rid of Russell Wilson, and you thought when the season started they was just gonna just tank it and get these one these um top two quarterbacks C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. But Pete Carroll's like, nah, I'm not ready. For, I'm not ready for retirement yet. So he's done a good job along with the um, staff putting this team together. Now, I don't like the Seahawks because they're the division foe, but I got to give credit where credit is due. And coming up, they got some, they got a pretty favorable schedule f- for the most part up until the 15th. I mean, they got Arizona. I mean, it's a division game, so anything can happen. So you got Tampa Bay, which is, you know, kind of they're spiraling the Raiders and the Rams and the Panthers. So there's some winnable games there for the Seahawks. So we'll see if Geno Smith can continue. For the Giants, now we're going to see what they're made of. And I say this because, yeah, they're 6-2 and two right now. But they, they, they were not expected to be in this position. So now, let's see if they're able to bounce back from this loss. Or this is going to be the start of a downhill spiral. Because here's what they have coming up. They have the Tex they have the Texans. They have a bye, they have a bye week coming up this week. So they have the Texans, the Lions, and the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Along with the Commanders. So we'll see what happens. I think the first two games they should win. Cowboys are gonna be tough. And the Commanders, we'll see. Now let's move on to my 49ers versus the LA Rams. My Niners. Scored 21 unanswered points in the second half on their way to a 31-14 victory. The Rams did lead at halftime. But in the second half, the defense showed up and they pitched a second half shutout. Jimmy Garoppolo had 235 yards, two touchdowns, and most important stat, zero interceptions. Even there were a couple of close ones, but no interceptions. But it was the Christian McCaffrey show. That's right, Christian McCaffrey was balling on on Sunday, and you don't know how excited I was. Christian McCaffrey on the ground had 94 yards rushing, one touchdown. He had a touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk, and he also had 55 yards receiving and caught an amazing touchdown pass in the end zone. Brandon Ayuk had 81 yards, one TD. George Kittle had 39 yards and 1 TD. Matthew Stafford had 187 yards and 1 TD. But the Rams, who were still inept in, in, in the running game, only had 56 yards rushing as a, uh, as a team. And through the trade deadline, they did not trade Cam Akers. So I think Sean McVay better go ahead and start bringing Cam Akers back. Cooper Cup had 79 yards receiving, but was shut out in the second half and suffered an ankle injury, but he's day-to-day, and it looks like he's going to be playing. Allen Robinson, who has been coming along over a couple of games, only had 54 yards receiving. As I stated for the Rams, 
They better go ahead and bring Cam Akers back. Because right now, their running game is terrible. They are basically a one-dimensional offense. The simple fact is, they don't scare nobody. Yes, they have Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson is slowly coming along. But right now, they're, they're in third place for a reason. And if they don't, they don't put it together, they're going to end up staying that way. I mean, for the Rams, here's what they have coming up. They have the Buccaneers this, this Sunday. That, that's going to be a very interesting game because I think both teams are going to see it as a must win. So definitely looking forward to that one. They have the Cardinals after that. Cardinals are definitely going to be in desperation mode depending on how what happens in this game this coming week versus the Seahawks. They got the Saints and then they have the Chiefs. So I believe these next and then the Seahawks after that. So these next five games, I think for the Rams are, could determine whether they get, they have a chance to make the playoffs, squeeze in there as a wild card, or possibility they may they may be sitting at home this season. For my Niners, this was a good win. Now they're one game back in the um in the standings in the NFC West. But most importantly, they have three division wins. Two of them against the Rams, one against the Seahawks. So they just have to just keep winning, win at least two two of the next three division games, and they're gonna be fu- and they're gonna be fine. But now they're on a bye week, so that means they, they have a chance to get healthier. Now Kyle Shanahan's gotta be in the lab thinking, how am I gonna scare offenses with with, with, with Christian McCaffrey? And the return of Debo Samuel. So, look out, NFL. Now let's move on to Green Bay versus the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills won this game 27-17. Josh Allen had 218 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 49 yards rushing. Dalvin Singletary had 67 yards rushing. Buffalo actually moved the ball, was running the ball pretty well in this game. I mean, a lot better than normal. Stephon Diggs had 108 yards and one TD. Aaron Rodgers had 203 yards, two TDs, one interception. And the Green Bay Packers obviously listened to what I said because they ran the ball effectively in this game. Something I said they needed to do. Aaron Jones had 143 yards rushing. A.J. Dillon had 54 yards rushing. But they didn't get much in the receiving um, core. I mean, Robert Toyon had 35 yards receiving. Amari Rogers, 22 yards. Sammy Watkins only had one catch for three yards. So right now for the Packers, they're on a downhill spiral. They're now three and five. And it looks like they may not win the division unless they turn things around. Because right now, they're not looking good at all. I mean, these, receive, these receivers and are not on the same page with Aaron Rodgers. And what that, and what that means is, I mean, they have to depend mostly on the run. But if the run, but the, but the running game isn't been, hasn't been enough for the Packers thus far. Now the Packers going forward, they have a they do have a chance to bounce back. I mean, here's what they well, here's what they have going forward. They have the Lions, should be a win. The Cowboys, even though the Cowboys are playing well, the Aaron Rodgers has always had their number. They got the Titans, that's gonna be a tough one. The Eagles, and then of course a team that Aaron Rodgers owns, the Bears. So looking at these next five games, I mean, I believe that they, they can probably win. They got to win at least four out of the five, I believe, in order to, you know, keep their hopes alive for a playoff spot. I mean, if they go, if they have a losing record the rest of, in these next five games, this season could be all but over. Now I'm going to start, I'm going to um, go ahead and give you what I believe 
are my are the first half takeaways. These are my first half takeaways. As we all know, this the, we, we've gone through half of the season in the NFL, and now we're getting ready to start the second half of the season starting this Thursday. So here, are my first half takeaways, surprises, of course, it's the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles are seven and zero. Nobody thought that a, a, a second full season with Jalen Hurts that he would um be lighting it up. Jalen Hurts has been playing good. As I've stated in previous podcasts, Jalen Hurts should get some MVP consideration. I mean, thus far, he's got 10 touchdown passes and two, only two interceptions. That's right, only two interceptions. And he's also rushed the ball pretty well, as well. So, and, and most importantly, the, 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 the NFC East is the best division in football. That's a surprise. I would have la- for the past few seasons, this division was hot garbage. But now, they're they're tops in the NFL. Another surprise, of course, one of their um, opponents, the Giants. Now everybody thought that the Giants would probably, in the first year of Brian Dable, that they would just just go through this season and then possibly look for another quarterback. They didn't even pick up Daniel Jones's fifth year option, but yet. They are six and two, and they're winning game and and they're winning games late in the fourth quarter. Even though they didn't do that this past Sunday, they have been winning most. They've beaten some really good teams. I mean, think about it. They've beaten they've beaten they've beaten the they've beaten the Ravens. They've beaten the Titans first game of the season. So they've they've beaten some some top dogs. So we'll like like I stated in their loss, we'll see what happens with them going forward. Now the New York Jets has actually been a surprise. Kudos to my guy Robert Sala in year three, finally turning this team around. I mean they are four and two, and most importantly, they've been winning on the road. That's right, they haven't been winning much at home, but they are winning on the road right now. And, and of course, the the way the um, win games in in in, in um, regular season as well as the playoffs, you've got to be able to win games on the road. I mean, they've upset. I, I mean, some good teams. I mean, they beat the Bengals, they beat the Dolphins, they beat the Packers. So this is now how far this team is going to go. We're going to have to see. The only issue they have right now is the quarterback play isn't consistent enough. Zach Wilson, he's had he's, he's had his moments, but he, we need to see the Jets need to see more out of him. And of course, the Jets have overcome some significant injuries to some key players. I mean, Bryce Hall just went down with an ugly injury, and he'll be out the rest of the season. So it'll be interesting to see. If they can get some good quarterback play out of Zach Wilson going forward. Disappointments. And this is this is obvious. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. You have the GOAT, Tom Brady. And you have Aaron Rodgers, as Shannon Shot would say, the quint- the quintessential greatest throw of the football ever. But both of these teams have struggles this year. Both their teams are three and five. For Tampa Bay, it's a combination of a lot of things. Number one, the offensive line is terrible. But to be fair, they've had a, some, some significant injuries. Their center, Jensen, got hurt in preseason and hasn't been back yet. They can't run the ball. So Tom Brady's had to pass the ball like 40 and 50 times. For the, for the Tampa Bay to even have a shot, and the defense, which has been holding 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 up through these struggles from, from the offense throughout the season, they're starting to um, crumble. So Tampa Bay, this is a must-win against the Rams this Sunday. A loss that drops them down to three and six. 
and it puts them in, in danger of possibly not even winning this division. Because right now, the Atlanta Hawks, which I'll add to my other surprise, has been looking good this year. And they haven't been doing it pretty either. I mean, the Falcons have been doing it with just plain sound football. I mean, they've been, run, they've been running the ball effectively. Mariota, has, has, I mean, he's been hot and cold, but good enough. I mean, basically a bunch of no-names for the um, Atlanta Falcons. That's been, that's brought them to a 4-4 four and four record and number one in the, in the NFC South, which is terrible this year. Another um, disappointment is Russell Wilson. Now, this was supposed to be a big splash for the Broncos. Ever since Peyton Manning retired, the Broncos have been searching for a quarterback. And I mean, they gave up a lot to get Russell Wilson. And thus far, it is not it has not bared any fruit. Russell Wilson's been struggling this year. I mean, he's looking. I mean, the worst he's ever been throughout his whole career. I mean, he's only got six touchdowns and four interceptions. Of course, to be fair, he has been hurt. And the Broncos right now are on the brink. They are three and five. And this is a record they cannot afford to be in in, in a very tough division. I mean, the AFC West, I mean, is is not wide open. I mean, you have the Kansas City Chiefs and you have everybody else. And we all thought when the season started that the Broncos would be in the mix. You would have some great matchups with Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. And there's a good chance you still might. But they better get it together and fast. And it doesn't, and it does look like there's a chance. Coming up, they have the Titans, which is going to be tough. They have the Raiders. They have the Panthers. And the Ravens. So there's a good chance. Th- and then the Chiefs after that. So the next five games are gonna could determine the season for the um the Denver Broncos. Now here's what I'm looking for. One, well, one more thing before I um talk about what I'm looking forward to. Another an, another um first half takeaways. The 2021 quarterback class are, ha- are having second-year struggles. Yep. I'm not counting, of course, my guy Trey Lance because he got hurt. But let's look at the rest of the quarterback class. And, 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 and I'll tell you what I'm talking about here. But we ha- we ha- First, we have Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has struggled this this season. He's got 10 touchdowns and 6 interceptions. And right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the first-year head coach, Doug Peterson, is 2-6. Now, I'm not going to kill this quarterback class too hard. I mean, this is actually... I mean, is to be expected. To go through one to two years... Of growing pains before they finally put it, to, uh, figure it out, and put it together. Next, we have Justin Fields. Justin Fields, he's had his ups and downs. He's had seven touch. He's got seven touchdowns and six interceptions this year. But of course, all of it's not his fault. I mean, he has an offensive line that's atrocious. I mean, I could probably get in there and sack him if I mean. Through that offensive line, of course, tongue in cheek, and they and their and their and their defense has not been as good this season. Now they've shred two of their best um, defensive players. More on that in a minute. But Justin Fee, but the Chicago Bears organization better do a better job this offseason getting some help for Justin Fields. Their number one priority needs to be 
showing up the offensive line. And the second thing they need to be doing is getting a complimentary two receiver for Daniel Morey. Because right now, it's him and then everybody else are just twos and threes. Not even a close two or three either. So what am I looking for in the second half of the NFL season? I'll give you a couple of things. First in the AFC, can any team challenge the Bills and the Chiefs for a trip to the Super Bowl? Like I said, there, there, there are a couple names, teams. I think Baltimore, I think, have taken steps to try to solidify themselves as a challenge to Buffalo and to Kansas City. I'll talk more about that one in a minute. The Titans, we're going we're gonna to see if they fall into that category as one of the teams that can challenge the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. They play the Chiefs this Sunday night. So definitely looking forward to that one. And the Miami Dolphins, they've made some moves. We'll talk more about their moves in a minute. But the Dolphins are, are basically saying to the Buffalo Bills, we're coming for that division in the AFC East. So they're basically telling all us, uh, all um, sports media guys and commentators and even podcasters, Buffalo is not a lock to win this division. They already got one win over Buffalo. So, and they got to play them again. So the Dolphins... If they're still on this um, trajectory, who knows? So it'll be interesting to see if any of these um, three teams that I mentioned are capable of challenging the Chiefs and the Bills, respectively. Another thing I'm looking forward to in the second half of the season is who's going to who, who's going to take that number one spot in the NFC. I know it looks like the Eagles are going to take that spot, but I want to see what if the Eagles can um, sustain this for the rest of the season. I mean, they're 7-0. Chances are they're going to be 8-0 um, coming up this Thursday. But here's what, they still have to play the Cowboys again. And they play the Cowboys team without Dak Prescott. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they play a second time and we also see if the NFC East another thing I'm going to be looking for looking for in the second half of the season is can the NFC East produce three teams in the playoffs another, another thing I'm going to be looking forward to is my 49ers what is Kyle Shanahan going to do with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey? And it looks like Brandon Ayuk seems he looks is, is um, morphing himself into a big-time receiver. And now, of course, and of course, George Kittle is starting to slowly come along. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Niners are going to do going forward. Because... They could could they be the team that that's a threat to go to the Super Bowl? I mean they're they're, they're getting healthy at, they're getting healthy at the right time, so we'll be we'll see what happens on this bye week. Another thing I think I'm gonna be looking forward to is can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers turn it around? Does the GOAT and does Aaron Rodgers still have it left? Have, have anything left in the tank? Or is this the beginning of the end? They're, both teams are 3-5, and five, as I mentioned. But can they, can they rattle off enough wins to get into the playoffs? Or is this going to be the year that the, that the NFL playoffs does not have Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in it? Could this be a could this be a sign of the times that it's no longer 
Tom Brady's and Aaron Rodgers' league, it's now Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen's. Now, before I move on, I'm going to talk about the NFL trading uh, trading deadline. There were a lot. There were some picks. There were some moves made in the NFL during the during the trade during the trading um deadline. So I'm going to go through. I'm going to briefly go through a couple of them and give you some brief takes. Because you know we you already seen what Christian McCaffrey did for my Niners, so we're not gonna, we're not going to talk about that anymore. But I'm going to talk about the Dolphins, who I think may have won the um the trade the, the the trading um period. The Miami Dolphins got my guy Jeff Wilson Jr. from the Niners for a t- for a fifth for a 2023 fifth round pick. They also picked up Bradley Chubb from the Denver Broncos. I mean, this is huge, and it got and it got him. And here's what they gave up: they gave up Chase Edmonds. A 2023 first rounder and a 2024 fourth rounder. As I stated earlier, the Miami Dolphins are sent, is sending a message. They're basically telling the Buffalo Bills, we're coming for that division. And they're also putting other teams on notice that y'all can sleep on us if you want to. Kudos to my guy, Mike McDaniel, who was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers putting a nice team together you might as well call them 49er South because that's basically what they're doing he's building this Miami Dolphin team in the image of the 49ers here's another good move the Buffalo Bills they got two they got they got Naheem Hines from the um, Colts for Zach Zach Morris and a 2023 sixth round pick. I think Buffalo realizes now that you know they can't be going through the season with Josh Allen running the ball a lot. They got to be able to get get some other guys, you know, um, Delvin Singletary and whoever else to take you know the rushing load off of Josh Allen. So Neam Himes should be a good addition to this team. And Buffalo was able to snag Dean Malo from the um, Atlanta Falcons for a 2023 7th round pick. Well, the secondary has been decimated with injuries, but they have held the fork up. So, it's going to be interesting to see if um, Dean Malord will be able to help this um, secondary for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they're already good up front, led by Von Miller. Here's another, here's a, here's a, a really impactful trade. The, the Baltimore Ravens got Roquan Smith, the leading tackler for the Bears, for linebacker A.J. Klein, a 2023 second round pick and a 2023 fifth round pick. As I stated before, the Ravens are trying to show that, look, we can be, we, we can be a threat to the Chiefs and the Bills. As we know, their defense has been suspect at times they've blown a couple of um, games this year the Ravens should probably be up there with the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills but this move right here helps helps their defense out tremendously so all Lamar Jackson gotta do is do his thing on offense and Roquan Smith and the defense can do their thing maybe the Ravens might be able to topple one of these two teams or even both to go to the Super Bowl. Here's another, here's, here's one more impactful trade. Actually, I have two more, but here's one. The Minnesota Vikings um, got TJ Hawkerson from the Detroit Lions. I mean, they, they lost their tight end in this, in, in, in this, this past Sunday. So, they're going to get a 20 they're going to, they gave gave Detroit a 2023 second round and a 2024 third rounder. I guess basically what Detroit is saying is the season's over, which they know that. So they figured let's just get some assets. 
What's interesting about this trade is Detroit Lions traded in the division. That's something that rarely happens. I mean, they traded so one division fool gets better. So we'll see what happens going forward. But this is a big help, especially for, for Justin Jefferson. And we'll have to see what the, how the extent of um, Anthony, Adam Thielen's injury is. And our, and our last impactful trade is the Pittsburgh Steelers traded away Chase Claypool for a second-round pick in 2023. Claypool has been a disappointment for the um, for the uh, for the um, Pittsburgh Steelers. But this actually is a good move for the Bears going forward. I mean, Chase Claiborne is a is a big, tall, six foot four receiver. Justin Fields needs that. He needs a, a complimentary to Dorel Mooney is needed, and Claypool and Chase Claypool could be that guy. So this will conclude the NFL segment. Now let's move on to college football. We're going to start off with Ohio State versus Penn State. Ohio State won this game 44-31. Now this game was close for a while. Penn State was leading 14-13 at halftime. Ohio State took the lead at 16-14 in the fourth quarter. In the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, Ohio State scored 28 unanswered points, including an interception that pretty much sealed the win for the Ohio, for Ohio State. Now, CJ Stroud, he didn't have a great game, but he did okay. He had 354 yards, one TD pass, no interceptions. Trayvon Henderson had 78 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr. was a boss. He had 185 yards receiving. And Cade Stover had 78 yards and one TD. Sean Clifford, in a losing effort, had 371 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Catron Allen had 76 yards rushing. And Parker Washington had 175, 79 yards and one TD. But for Ohio State... This keeps him at the number two spot. And of course, the um, college football playoff standings came out. Talk about that one here shortly. So they they still have a chance to stay undefeated going into that matchup with Michigan. For Penn State, I mean, that's all she wrote as far as any um, thoughts of a Big 10 um, championship and a playoff. But they're going to have a nice season. But, I mean, that's that's all it is. Just a nice season. Probably get a bowl game. Maybe a bowl win and that's it. Now let's move on to Tennessee versus Kentucky. Basically, this game was a joke. I mean, this game was over after the first quarter. That's how bad it was. Tennessee scored 20 points in the second quarter. 10 in the third quarter. And Kentucky just had no answer. Hendon Hooker, 245 yards, three touchdowns. Jabari Small, 78 yards. Jillian Hyatt had 138 yards and two touchdowns. And Spencer and Cedric Tillman actually came back. He didn't have a great game, but it was his first game back. Will Levis had a terrible game. 98 yards and three interceptions. Chris Rodriguez Jr. 64 yards and one TD. And didn't get much in the receiving core, but that was because of bad quarterback play. Tennessee is now riding high. And and now they're, they're, they're getting ready for next week's Big time matchup versus Georgia. We'll talk more about that game on Friday. Most deaf. And now let's go to another game that was pretty much 
not even a ball game that I talked about briefly. And that was Kansas State versus Oklahoma State. Again, this game was a joke. This game was was over probably by the second by the end of the first quarter. That's how bad it, it was for Oklahoma State. They could get nothing going. I mean, Kansas State, I mean, just they just ran roughshod over them 48 to nothing. Will Howard, 296 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Deuce Vaughn had 158 yards, one TD. And Malik um, Nowens had 113 yards. And K. Warner had 97 yards and two touchdown receptions. Spencer Sanders had 147 yards and one interception for Oklahoma State. They had no running game whatsoever, only 54 yards. And of course, the pa- because of the quarterback, the passing game didn't do much better. For K-State... This gives them a, a, a clear chance. This gives them a clear chance to possibly um, win, win part of the Big 12 and get into the Big 12 championship. Now they're gonna need some victories along the way, but this hurt. This game, this this loss for Oklahoma State hurts because now chances are they have no shot of winning this matchup. So, we'll see what happens with um, Kansas State going forward. Now, let's move on to my takeaways from Week 9 and college football. But before I do that, the, the college football standings came out. And this is what they, um, and this is who they have as 1, 2, 3, and 4, the first standings. Tennessee is number 1. Now, that's awesome. Ohio State is number two. Georgia is number three. Clemson is number four. With Michigan and Alabama on the outside looking in. Now, of course, that things could change depending on what happens with this game. This um, coming Saturday with Tennessee at Georgia. Chances are Georgia probably could jump to number one. And Tennessee fall out of the top um, four or even five or six. Or Georgia could fall out of the top four or five. Because the winner of this matchup will win the um, SEC East and will go to the go to the SEC championship game. Now Clemson. I mean, they're going to need, in front of them, these first three teams are going to probably have to fall if they can, if they want to get a number one spot. Chances are they don't have any challengers left. Ohio State, they still got Michigan left. So they still have a chance to jump the top spot or fall out if Michigan were to beat them at the end of the year. Now, as far as takeaways from college football, First takeaway, they, the situation that happened with Michigan. After the game, four Michigan players got in a fight, Michigan State players got in a fight with some Michigan players in the tunnel. And that led to those four Michigan um, State players getting suspended for the rest of the season. And chances are, it's possible they could be criminal charges against these four Spartan players for beating up these two Wolverine players. You know, it's a sad state of affairs, even though it's a rivalry, that it comes down to players attacking other players, especially after you get beat down. The simple fact is, you got beat, you got beat soundly. Take it and move on. Now it's gonna be a shame that these these young men are now not are gonna have their seasons, you know, ending and possibly can be going to jail. And what for? For game just because you didn't play well and you got beat bad, you gonna you you gonna take it out on the other players? Do you do yourself a favor, play better, win the game, 
Now, kudos to Mal Tucker, because, I mean, I know this makes him look bad, but we all know he's a good coach, and he doesn't coach this kind of um, nonsense. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward. Second takeaway. It's been a minute, but another college coach before the season is um, over gets the axe. That's right. Auburn's coach, Brian Hearson, was fired after less than two seasons at um, at Auburn. Of course, he had an abysmal record. He was 9-12. and 12. Look, the simple fact is college football is in the age of NIL, name, image, and likeness. Players are now able to um, make money off of that. And of course, we all know Auburn. They're, they, they're always in competition, but of course, their cross-state rivals Alabama, along with other SEC t- um, teams for good recruits. But of course, there's another, there, there could be another reason for this firing as well. I mean, it's been going around the rumor mill, but there's a good chance Auburn might be making a play for Coach Prime, Deion Sanders. Maybe they can pry him away from Jackson State and bring him into a top five um, powerhouse school like Auburn. Now imagine that. Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, and Coach Saban going at it year after year. You want to talk about must-see TV. I mean, every all teams will probably be circling that calendar. Look forward to that. Now, of course, Coach Prime hasn't said he was going to take a, a Power 5 job, even though he'd be crazy not to entertain it. But what's going on now in, the, in, the, in, the, in this new age of college football, if coaches are not cutting it, they're, 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 they're going to get, they'll be getting fired like they're in the NFL. I mean, their their tenure could be as short as even two seasons. So that'll enter that'll end my college football segment. Now I'm going to close with the NBA. Now I usually don't talk much about the NBA during football season. Now, after the season's over, or when the playoffs start, then I'll start talking, give you my NBA takes. But, this is about a, a big story that just came out of the NBA, and that was the firing of Steve Nash as head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the Brooklyn Nets have gotten off to a atrocious start. And they needed, I guess, they, after everything they've gone through throughout the season, they needed a fall guy. And that fall guy was Steve Nash. Look, the simple fact is, Steve Nash was over his head. I mean, he's a good guy. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame point guard. No question about it. But, it, he, had, but he had no coaching experience. I mean... He he just came out of, you know, out of playing in the coaching. Steve Nash needed to take an assistant job, learn for a couple of years, and then get a head coaching job. But, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wanted him, so they got him. So 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 the Nets bend over backwards to accommodate Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And look how that's turned out. They've only won one playoff series during his time as the Brooklyn Nets head coach. So going forward, we'll see if Steve Nash is able to get another head coaching job. I doubt anytime soon. Probably his best bet is just take an assistant job. You know, learn on a job for a couple of years. Maybe maybe five years or so, and then maybe, just maybe, he might have a chance to get back in the NBA as a head coach. But right now, he just needs to just 
take a breath, step back, you know, learn from some um, top-notch coaches, and then see what happens in the future. For the Nets, this brings an interesting element. Now, it's been said that I'm in Adoka, the Boston head coach who's on a year suspension for an inappropriate relationship breaking team rules maybe on the verge of becoming the next head coach of the Brooklyn Nets this is what you call a desperation move no question about it the, the Brooklyn Nets know they went all in they re-signed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and obviously they're the ones that's picking the coach so you know they went they, they went to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and asked who they want as coach and Adoka came up Adoka used to be an assistant for the Brooklyn Nets prior to rejoining prior to joining the Celtics last year now can Adoka turn this team around it's very possible he was able to get um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to the NBA Finals now the optics of it might not be may not be good because he still has this um this issue with having an extra I mean an affair. So and then only that you got Kyrie Irving with his own controversy. I won't get into that. And then of course, who knows what Kevin Durant's gonna be thinking from day to day. So for the Nets, we'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens with them going forward. Now, of course, I'll talk more about the NBA maybe later this year in the early next year. Well, this will conclude this episode 145 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. I appreciate it very much. You can follow this podcast and stream it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter, GGSports13, and my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading. Have a wonderful evening, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Bye-bye.